and everybody got it back again. Don't take no mess out the rose garden. Jesus, they're on fire. They're what we desire. The men in black can handle it. Other teams can scrabble it. How they win that game today? There's just one thing you can say. How does somebody shoot that three? Believe it, it ain't easy. How did Brian jump so sweet? Believe it, it ain't easy. It's the flying dot that's in your lap. to the first episode of the Rose Garden Report podcast to go along with the just launched Rose Garden Report newsletter. I'm Sean Hyken. I'm the author of the Rose Garden Report newsletter, which you can subscribe to on rosegardenreport.beehive.com. And I am here. There's nobody else I'd rather do this first episode with. I think Eric is probably going to be on this a lot or pretty regularly or you know we're still kind of figuring all that out but my guy Eric Garcia Gunderson if you have followed me and you know the Blazers media stuff for a long time you kind of know the vibes here Eric how you doing thanks for doing this with me of course of course it, it, it is it is a new era in Blazers newsletter world I was I was the only one that had one and now you are here to give your professional national experience to the beat blazerbanter.substack.com by the way also check that out he's er right right there from time to time yeah it's not going to be as frequent as sean's but i do right this is that's the reason it's my my that's the reason mine's free you know um, eric eric gets his takes off yeah i'm just gonna get my takes off talking about gambling from time to time and, and, and and all that stuff but i'm excited i'm excited for blazers fans uh that sean is doing this I'm excited to be on this podcast and also to have, um, you know, a dedicated place to just talk about the Blazers again because, you know, I used to host the Locked On Blazers podcast as well. And regardless, I'm glad to just have a place to talk about the Blazers um, and a dedicated place because we do get, you know, we get our our league, our global NBA takes off on Bulls versus Blazers. But now we're and keep the third eye open. Exactly. But we're going to keep our third eye open up here as well uh, on the Rose Garden Report. Since this is the first episode and this is the week of the draft, I think it's a good idea to just sort of reset everything and just set everything out, lay everything out. This is what we're looking at this week. The Blazers have, you're going to be hearing this on a Tuesday, which is the same day that the newsletter officially launched. So the Blazers have the number seven overall pick and the number 36 overall pick. I think most people expect that they're probably going to trade the pick, but just just for the sake of housekeeping and all that, the you know they they've been doing these draft workouts over the last few weeks. They brought in nine guys who are projected first round picks. So Dyson Daniels, who played for the G League Ignite, Benedict Matherin from Arizona, Shaden Sharp, who was on Kentucky but didn't actually play, and he's kind of the Dante Exum or Anthony Simons-esque mystery man that nobody's ever seen play. And so he's sort of like, that's that's one of those guys that like, there's a lot of intrigue around him, of course. Yeah, but it, but it sounds like all the people that have seen him play are like, he's Mary the guy, yeah. like he's it. Yeah. Yeah. Jeremy Sohan from Baylor, Dalen Terry from Arizona, Jalen Duran from Memphis, Malachi Branham from Ohio State, who they brought in today. Tari Easton from LSU. AJ Griffin from Duke. Those are the nine guys they brought in that 
you could conceivably see them taking either at seven or if they trade back, you know, I think, I think Dalen Terry is more of like a mid first round guy, Tari Eason. Although you had a, you had kind of a third eye theory about Tari Eason that uh, some of this noise about him falling in the draft might be sort of misdirection. Yeah. I, I, I just think that it's, it, it all seems like a little, it was too unified. You know what I mean? It just felt like there was just too much like unified uh, talk about, Tari Eason is falling, and and yet every draft evaluator that I that I've watched and shares video of him is like, this dude is a dog. He steals your lunch. Like he will just rip the ball from you when you put it out in front of him. And like, it, it, it's like if this guy is that good of a defender at the point of attack, then it doesn't make sense for him to be constantly falling. And he's not a liability on offense either, from what I understand. From what I understand, that that is more Sochan than anyone that he is kind of the guy where it's like, okay, we're just, we're just going to leave you open, but it doesn't feel like Eason is that guy. So I, 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 yeah, that, that, that was the one for me. I'm like, I don't know. It just feels like everyone keeps saying it. And I just, just like put it like to speak it into existence almost because they teams like deeper in the draft want him and may, and, and, you know, are trying to, you know, put the juju out there to, to make it happen because, you know, misinformation and, and all that stuff is like, that's part of this as well to try and get people to think one thing and, and, and second guess their own Intel. This couple of weeks before the draft is always really amusing to me because these guys aren't still playing. Like they're getting brought in for workouts by different teams and maybe somebody just blows somebody away with a workout. But these guys have already played in all their games at the college level or internationally or in the G league or whatever the case may be. There's no, they, you know, they've already done all their drills with the combine teams have their measurements teams have their medicals. There's no new stuff to go off of, but these guys will still, you know, you'll, you'll still see the reports of, Oh, this guy's stock is rising. This stock is falling. It's all just based on people are bored. And so they have to come up with new, you know, they have they have to come up with, oh, well, this this guy, I think I've heard he's really rising up a lot of draft boards. Okay, just based on what? Just based on people being bored and needing stuff to talk about. That's what a lot of this stuff is. Yeah, I mean, it is that, but it's the problem is is that you know I was listening to the BS and Rosillo uh, pod, and Rosillo brought this up, and I, I I do agree with him. Like people in the front offices like and the owners especially who end up making these calls they read the mock drafts and they buy into it and like perception at a certain point does become reality it we are bored and i think and some of this movement and some of these conversations that are happening are to spark conversation and and to try and get us to just fill the time but i do think also like there is something about how so because people will read those drafts and then they get mad about it and then you know i I mean i've seen it from our own people on draft twitter that like they do their own shit but they're reading other people's mocks and criticizing them and it's like it's a whole it's a whole thing i don't think it's just all of that like it is a fabrication but it's it's also not if that makes sense i can tell you one front office that i have covered in the past that did just straight up base a draft a a pretty important draft pick on mock drafts and that's uh my last year on the bulls beat when they traded jimmy butler to minnesota and one of the pieces they got back in that was the number seven pick 
and they took Lowry Markinen. And then that night they uh we we you know us in the media got Markinen on a conference call and he said like I had no idea the Bulls were even interested. They haven't interviewed me. They haven't worked me out. This is a total surprise to me. And that just tells me and this kind of tracks with that front office and the way that they did things was they got the pick. They hadn't really scouted anybody. And so they just looked at all the mock drafts. and was like, oh, most of these have marketing going at seven. Let's just uh, do that. And that's <laughs> kind of how they made the, their decision. It's it only, is, it, only for him to go and like leave as a restricted free agent. Under a different front office regime. Like there, there's a reason that that front office is not there anymore. And Jimmy Butler is leading the heat to the Western, to the Eastern conference finals. And, the finals a couple of years ago. Uh, <laughs> but then, then there's also just like, you'll see, you know, fans may have like, you know, they'll, they'll see that like guys were projected to go a certain place on like the ESPN mock draft or the NBA draft.net or bleacher report or whoever, whatever the case may be. Uh, and then if somebody takes somebody like three spots higher than like Gavoni has on the mock draft, People are like, oh, wow, that's such a reach. Just, okay, based on one mock draft. I don't know. These these guys have more intel than you do. I don't want to spend too much time on the draft, uh, the, you know, these specific draft prospects, because I don't think that whichever guy the Blazers take at seven. I mean, it's, it's, it's always possible, but I don't think that whoever they draft is going to actually play a game for the Blazers. I think the most likely scenario is that just given everything we know about the timeline that they want to operate on and the fact that Dame is still bought in and Dame is having a lot of input into the roster and there are certain guys and we can get into some of this, but there are certain guys that they have been known to be targeting on the trade market and they're trying to be competitive next year. They're not trying to be a lottery team again because they still have Dame and he's, you know, kind of getting towards the end of his prime and they want to get back into the playoffs. The most likely thing that I think is going to happen is they're going to trade this pick. And then we do all this draft prep and talk about how different guys would fit alongside Dame and Nurkic and Anthony Simons. And then none of them end up playing it. Like I know I, ha- I have friends who cover the Mavericks and they put all this time into, uh, draft prep and who they want at 26 and they spend all this time on it. And then they just traded the pick for Christian Woods. So now all that work goes out the window. So I don't know how much time I want to spend on that, but it's going to be very interesting to see what happens the night of the draft on Thursday. I think that whatever happens with that pick, whether they keep it or trade it, it's going to happen while they're on the clock, because if they're trading that pick to somebody, whether it be Atlanta for, John Collins or to Toronto for OG Ananobi. Those are like the two most commonly rumored guys. Those teams are trading up to draft a specific guy and they don't want to pull the trigger on making the trade until they know that the guy that they want is actually still going to be on the board. Yeah. And and that's, that's a really interesting one. I mean, I think one, I think the two guys that I'm just spitballing here, but I think the two guys that come to mind for me, that could potentially fall in that spot that say Toronto might want uh-huh. is, is sharp or, or Keegan Murray who the Blazers have not worked out by the way. Right. Right. Uh, and, and maybe there's a reason I don't, maybe, I don't know. Like, but I feel like, I feel like those two guys and sharp is Canadian also, um, ah. which, which the, the Raptors do seem to target Canadian players. 
I think that's also a, a potential angle there that, you know, hope for, for Portland's sake that they probably will hope that Sharp could fall there. I mean, and we've talked about how the, how Mike Schmitz has felt about, about uh, Sharp on the Woj pod yeah. before. Um, that he loves him and thinks he's the you know kind of the the really intriguing guy to go go after. So yeah, no, I I yeah, it's gonna be a, a quick decision. They're gonna have to do it, but yeah, it's gonna be all based on who's on the board and who hasn't been selected yet. So what happens at the top of the draft is gonna dictate what happens for Portland. And the other thing is, what if, you know, it could go the other way, too. What if, you know, whether it be Keegan Murray, who you, uh, maybe they haven't worked him out because they have no expectation that he's going to be available. What if he's available? I mean, this has happened also before where a team was going to trade a pick and then somebody they don't think is going to be there is there and they decide, let's just take this. This happened, the most famous example of this I can think of, and obviously this is like an extreme outlier because you don't take somebody usually at number seven who becomes one of the, at this point, probably 10 greatest players of all time. But remember the 2009 draft, the Warriors and the Suns pretty much had a deal in place and agreed on that they were going to trade the number seven pick to Phoenix for Amari Stoudemire. And then when Steph Curry unexpectedly fell to them at seven, they were like, oh, nope, never mind. We're not going to do that. And then they pulled out of the trade and just took Steph. I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility that the Blazers will, you know, one of these guys, whether it be Sharp or somebody that they didn't work out like Keegan Murray or one of the consensus top four guys unexpectedly falls to them at seven and they say, you know what, let's actually not trade this pick for John Collins or for OG Ananobi or whoever. And let's just take this guy instead. If, if somebody, if something kind of unexpectedly comes on the board that way, I could see that happening. One thing I will say is they haven't worked out any of the consensus top five guys. They haven't worked out Paolo Bancaro. They haven't worked out Jabari Smith. They haven't worked out Chet Holmgren. They haven't worked out Jaden Ivey. They haven't worked out Keegan Murray. That tells me that, I mean, you can't rule anything out 100%, but I don't think that trading up to get anybody is really something they're looking at right now. So their three options basically are going to be trade out and trade the pick for a veteran, which I think is the most likely. Or trade back that Lou Dort thing with Oklahoma City is something that I've heard, you know, a lot of people just, I don't know how real that is, but that's something that people have talked about. I wonder, I think that's just like some trade machine idea that's like made its way to assistant GMs, or they just take somebody at seven. I think those are kind of the three options that you're looking at. Yeah, no, I mean, there's a lot of intrigue around the Blazers. I feel like, I feel like there, there's just a lot of people, I mean, there's a lot of rumors, but uh, I think Sacramento, I think Oklahoma City, I think those two teams probably will are, are going to be the biggest if anybody moves out of that top uh, out of the top four range and kind of shakes up the draft. I think it's going to be one of those two teams from from just from everything that I've listened to and read over the past couple of weeks. It feels like those are the two spots where, if anything's gonna, if anything wild is gonna happen, those are gonna be the first ones, and then Portland is probably the next spot after that. I thought this was really funny today. I don't know if you saw this, but the NBA just announced the schedule for summer league, uh-huh. like the actual game schedule. And the first night, uh, July seventh, and I had to move my flight up uh, to be able to do this, but. Uh, the first night, there's only two games that night, and it's like this big ESPN doubleheader 
that they're advertising. And they're using it to hype up these these uh, matchups between, you know, you, usually, you know, the, the big first night of Summer League, it's like last year it was the Cade Cunningham-Jalen Green game or, you know, a couple years ago when it was the Sixers and the Lakers, it was Ben Simmons versus Brandon Ingram. Like it's always, you know, that that's usually the type of thing that they go for. So from the press release, the NBA 2K23, Summer League 22, because now like the 2K has the sponsorship, will tip off on Thursday, July 7th with a doubleheader on ESPN. First, the Orlando Magic, which owns the number one overall pick in the NBA Draft 2022 presented by State Farm. You have to get that in there. <laughs> yeah, of course. We'll face the Houston Rockets, who have the third and 17th overall picks at 10 p.m. Eastern. So that makes sense. You have the team with the number one pick and the team with the number three pick. That's probably going to be like Jabari versus Paolo or Chet versus Paolo or whatever the case may be. Like That, that one makes sense. In the second game, the Detroit Pistons with the number five pick will meet the Portland Trailblazers with the number seven pick. That might end up being uh, Keegan Murray versus like Trendon Watford and Greg Brown. I don't think whoever they trade for or whoever the Blazers take with the seventh pick is going to be playing for the Blazers at Summer League. The NBA maybe should have waited to see how the draft shook out before they well, it is, actually it does scheduled see, I, that. I mean, I mean the, the, low, the, the thing that everyone keeps on mentioning as things that the Blazers are going to do that, you know, that don't from outside of Portland – Every you know for the, the rumors outside oh, I of saw Portland, this too. yeah, I know the rumors gonna, outside yeah. of Portland are all about the Jeremy Grant thing. So maybe they're setting it up as like the seventh pick got traded to Detroit and now he's playing against the team that traded him on draft night. I think is also maybe one of the 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 thoughts there for even though you know we everything that we've heard is that they're not trading seven for Jeremy Grant. I think it's very possible that they trade for Jeremy Grant. I don't think that trade is going to involve the number seven pick. Well, it's like that Dort thing. Like if that Dort thing or the Kenrich Williams is the other one that people have put out there. It's like, then you use that pick to get, you know, if you're getting a sure. player, another, you know, th- maybe that's what they do. Which, or like, or maybe they do like they do the John Collins trade where they get 16 back and they then use 16 to get Jeremy Graham. Yeah. And they, and they give up, they give up 36 as part of the process to get, or right. that Bucks pick, or whatever, Keon Johnson. Yes, yeah, like there, there are avenues, but yeah, and it sounds like also the Suns are 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 interest, intrigued with John Collins. So that, that's another team to watch. Yeah, I mean, they would probably have to wait. That that would probably be like a De- DeAndre Ayton like sign and trade situation. Is that kind of what the idea is there, or would it be something else? I, I think that would be that would have to be it. But I, I don't know if the salaries, um, just because I think I think Ayton is. I, I I don't know how the salaries match on that one, but it's uh, like a base year. Base year compensation is the is the thing. Like I, I, it would be hard for them to have the salaries matching it because it, it's like if you sign somebody to a contract or like a new contract as part of a sign and trade, then there's like rules about how much of the salary has to match, and it's different than like the normal salary matching rules. It's uh, there's a, there's a lot of different. There would be a lot. Would, this is one of the reasons why, like, as much as it was rumored when they first lost in the second round, and it became kind of thought that Aiton was attainable for other teams, that Portland was rumored as an Aiton destination. I think it's pretty unlikely that they're going to be able to make that happen, or that they're going to be one of the teams that's in the mix because it would just be really complicated to make that kind of sign and trade work from a financial standpoint. Let me throw one at you though. 
Okay. What about Miles Bridges? That whole situation, I think, is pretty interesting to me, just because now it's starting. You know, Shams reported today that the Hornets might be hesitant. Yeah, also a clutch guy, which as as has as we've documented extensively, has a lot of ties with the Portland front office and coaching staff and Nurkic, who likely is going to be back. Charlotte is apparently not thrilled about the idea of matching a max offer sheet for Miles Bridges. I don't know whether for Portland it would have, it would probably have to be a sign and trade type of deal because I don't think they are really interested in becoming a cap space team, which is one of the things that I've had to explain to people when this number has been thrown out there of, oh, they might have $60 million in cap space. Like I've never thought the Zach Levine stuff ever made sense because they, in order to even open up enough cap space to sign a you know max level free agent, and I realized that like a Zach Levine max where he's coming off his second contract is different from a Miles Bridges or DeAndre Ayton max where he's coming off his rookie contract. It's like a different amount of money. It's a lesser amount of money. But in order for them to do that, they would have to let Anthony Simons walk as a restricted free agent, which I don't think they're going to do. They'd have to let Nurkic walk as a restrict or as an unrestricted free agent, which I don't think they're going to do. And they'd have to waive Josh Hart, who was the centerpiece of the CJ trade, who is going to be, uh, you know, a big part of you know what they're trying to build. But he has a non-guaranteed deal for next year, I believe. So, in order to you know be able to afford any of those guys, they'd have to gut their team basically to do that, which doesn't really make sense with this whole stated we want to still be competitive. So you're going to let all of your guys walk basically to sign one guy. So if it were going to be something with miles bridges, it would have to be like a sign and trade type of situation, but he's a guy that I do know Dame likes and the Dame would be interested in playing with. And I, I also just need to stress as somebody who has been going to all of these workouts over the last three weeks or so, Dame has been at just about all of them. He's been, I mean, there, there was that, you know, a few days where he went to Australia to watch the boxing match Mm-hmm. where he was like on TV, you know, enjoying himself doing that. But other than that, he's been at the practice facility pretty much constantly. And he's, you know, he's been there. He's been talking to Joe Cronin, talking to Chauncey Billups, talking to their three new assistant GMs that they've hired, which are Mike Schmitz, Andre Patterson, and Sergey Oliva, who have all been there. Like Dame's pretty involved in this stuff. So if he has a lot of say in it, then maybe Miles Bridges is somebody they go after. Cause I know that's somebody he likes, but that one I think is interesting just because it seems like it's not a lock that Charlotte matches any offer that he gets. Well, and the other thing too, is if you give them, like, I feel like if you do a sign and trade with them and they can create a trade exception, I think with that too. Right. You like, you transfer over like your trade exception that you have from the uh, CJ trade, which the thought had been, you use that on Jeremy Grant or, you know, who at OG or whoever. But it it seems like the Miles Bridges situation is much more distressing than the Jeremy Grant situation in Detroit. Yeah, because Grant hasn't like explicitly said he wants to leave. It's just this thought that he doesn't fit with the timeline of what Detroit is trying to build with Cade and then whoever they take at five. And he's going to be up for this extension next year. And it wouldn't make sense for a team like Detroit that's still in the early stages of a rebuild to pay him. That's kind of more where that's coming from. The Miles Bridges thing, I just have no idea. But that's also just kind of a weird situation because 
they just they still haven't hired they don't, they don't have a coach they thought they had a coach now they don't have a coach and you know there's just a lot up in the air with that whole situation too right like that's what i'm saying and also too like if they if if mj does want to cut payroll like and doesn't want to pay a lot of money and doesn't really believe in this group then then it would make sense for him to be like yeah you know i'll take a pick for miles bridges or something else like i i i could t- like cuz there's really like if you're going to give Miles Bridges the max, if you're Charlotte, like you got to think that like LaMelo and Miles Bridges is like the, the two guys that are going to take you to the promised land. And it's like, are they? And at least with Portland, it's like you got Dame who can get you to a very high level and maybe can elevate Bridges alongside him. But, you know, so I, I, I think that, I, I I see it. I see Portland more willing to do that and like having more of a reason to do that, especially if you just plug him in with the guy. Like you plug him in with Dame, Josh Hart, Nurkic. What if they get Grant or Collins? Or maybe you put Bridges at the four and you and you and you play. You start two guards, but like your team is way more athletic, way more versatile than they've ever been with Dame, or at least since Lamarcus left. I see all the reasons why Portland would be interested in such a deal. Whereas Charlotte wouldn't be because I mean, what do they really have to believe in? Like, I mean, LaMelo is great, but like he still hasn't proven that he's like going to lead you to the playoffs. Even it's a kind of a crazy needle that the Blazers are really trying to thread here. And I'm probably going to write about this tomorrow, but uh, they have to, they really don't have, they took a bunch of swings at the deadline. With you know they they thought that they that their own pick was going to be higher than it was. They thought they were going to get a New Orleans pick in the CJ trade. That didn't happen because New Orleans made the playoffs. They have they don't really have that much to work with, and they're trying to really combine you know whatever limited assets they have and whatever limited amount of leverage they have to get one or two real impact guys to put around Dane and try to get back in the playoffs and try to make it so that this past year where they were, you know, one of the worst teams in the league after they shut everything down and sold everything off was just a gap year for Dane, which, you know, we've, we've talked about that before. It's a pretty tough balance that they're trying to, that Joe Cronin is trying to strike here that their new front office is trying to strike. I worry that a lot of fans are like getting their hopes up about, they're going to get John Collins. They're going to get OG Ananobi. They're going to get one of these big names that's been talked about and has been rumored. Most things that get talked about don't happen. So I want, I wonder if we're in for kind of an anticlimactic draft night where there's all these rumors about, are they going to get one of these guys? And then they end up just all these deals fall through and they end up just taking somebody a seven, which I don't think is a complete failure, but for what they're trying to do, it certainly wouldn't be the ideal outcome. No, it would not be the ideal outcome. I think that would hurt to to be trying to do all these things that they've been trying to do and having flexibility to execute moves and 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 be operate over the cap and all that stuff. Yeah, it would be a disappointment probably if they just end up keeping the pick and then it's only going to get. I think. I mean, obviously, Dame is not going to force his way out probably, but like it will only get louder that he should if that's what happens. That's the. That's going to be the other domino that I think falls this offseason. At some point, I don't know whether it's going to be on July 1st or at some other point, but 
he's going to be eligible for that extension. I believe he's going to sign it. Or they're going to offer it to him. He's going to sign it. I would hope for his sake and for all of Blazer fans' sake that that quiets the talk at least for a while. Because I, I think that if he was going to ask for a trade, if he was going to try to leave, it would have happened last summer after the first round loss to Denver and, you know, the Chauncey stuff at the, the coaching search and all of that. And the previous general manager, like not really doing anything in the off season to improve the team. Like if it was going to happen, it would have happened then. But now that Dame won the power struggle, I think once he gets this uh, extension that, I would think that that would quiet all of it, but it still seems like a lot of people around the league are just like trying to speak that into existence. Uh, yeah. I mean, I even saw, I even saw uh, KOC brought it up in his mock draft as, a, as, as something that they could do. I didn't see that. What did he say? Well, he said like, they, you know, it makes a lot of sense to, to go younger and trade Dame and just start over, which like, it doesn't really in a vacuum, it, sure, but yeah, but it's like uh, that's not where they like they're in the NBA. Like, there's only certain deals that you can get, etc. Like we've talked about this as the reason. It's, it's the same reason why Utah shouldn't trade Donovan Mitchell just because. Like, like, like we have spoken that into existence because we we don't respect the Jazz, but like, <laughs> but it's just like it is like very like why would they like whatever they get back is not going to be the same. It's not going to be even close to what you're giving up. Like Dame, Dame uh, grew up a Warriors fan, and I think if nothing else, obviously the Warriors being good again means that they're going to be a dynasty and be the team to beat in the West. But I also think it probably validates Dame's stance that he's had over the past, you know, over his career in Portland that he wants to stick with it. Like, like Steph and Draymond and those dudes, like all sticking with it, and like I think Dame wants to prove that he can do it. I think seeing Steph win again, I think probably in. makes him believe in that even more and like i said earlier he's been at the facility for all of these draft workouts he's been talking to joe and all the you know everybody in the front office like and that's been a continuation of what he was doing all season you know after he had the surgery he was shut down he didn't play for a lot of the year he was still around a lot like he took a little bit of time off right after he had the surgery but starting in like mid-february he was around all the time and you saw him on the bench talking to Joe Cronin for like half hour, 45 minutes at a time before games. He was very involved in everything they did at the trade deadline. You know, his input is like, he's very much him and Chauncey are both very much a part of the decision-making process, maybe more so than he was under the previous regime. The, I guess the other thing that we sort of have to set up here, and there's not really anything new on this, but, uh, just to keep an eye on the sale situation, which I think is going to get resolved in the next year with the Phil Knight offer. And there's probably other groups that are, you know, going to be monitoring the situation. I, th- I think that within the next year, the Blazers are going to have a new owner that is not Jody Allen anymore. Yes, that would be uh, that would that would help the situation as well. But yeah, no, I, I mean, Thursday is a big night, big, big night for, for the franchise. I mean, everything has been building, uh, everything that Joe Cronin did at, on on deadline day and in the days leading up to it and all the tanking has led to this. This is when we judge it because yeah. obviously the he did not get very good reviews on 
deadline day for not just the CJ trade. And maybe it seems like he didn't get that much back there, but also in the Norm Powell, Robert Covington trade, like the, the, the instant trade grades from like the Kevin Pelton's of the shout out to Kevin Pelton, by the way, that's the, that's our guy. But like the instant trade grades from those sorts of folks that do those things were not good. And I can see why. Mm -hmm. And then especially once, a, they fell in the lottery one spot from six to seven, and they didn't get that second pick from New Orleans when New Orleans won the play-in games and made it to the playoffs, so they lost that pick. This stuff all looks bad right now. And if they can't pull off something on Thursday, whether it be the OG stuff, the John Collins stuff, I think the John Collins thing is probably the most likely at this point. But... If they can't, if they can pull something like that off, then this offseason, you know, comes off looking a lot better than it would have otherwise. But if they can't, then, you know, they're not just, they're just not in a great place. No, no, it would not be in a good spot. No, it would, uh, after all of that, to, to, to just end up with a draft pick, I, I don't think a lot of people would be very happy. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a big, big, big week uh, for the Blazers. And with that, I think we're going to wrap the first episode. Uh, Rose Garden Report. Again, rosegardenreport.beehive.com. Uh, you can go subscribe. I urge you to sign up for a premium subscription. I'm going to have some, I'm just kind of getting it off the ground now, but I'm going to have some pretty cool stuff coming. I'm going to be at Summer League for at least a little bit. Uh, once the offseason actually happens with the draft and free agency, I'm going to have some cool stuff there. You know, I'm going to have some coverage. I'm hoping to do some features and some kind of longer form stuff as we get later into the off season, after all the news stuff slows down a little bit, but I'm going to be doing that. The podcast is here on all different uh, platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, whatever, whatever. Uh, and uh, thanks, Eric. Thanks for being on here with me. Uh, thanks for you know helping me out with this. I'm sure you'll be back on here again soon. And uh, thanks to everybody for listening and for subscribing.